Israel's rebirth as a nation in 1948 in the biblical land of Israel, her capture of her ancient capital, Jerusalem, in 1967, and her very existence are miraculous and prophetic. I heard a man of God say that the hour hand on God's clock was reactivated in 1948 when Israel once again miraculously became a nation. Then the minute hand was reactivated when in June of 1967, the Israelis once again captured East Jerusalem of their capital city during the Six-Day War. In fact, Jerusalem is the heart of the Jewish people. And in the Six-Day War, the heart began to beat again in the land of Israel. And now the second hand on God's timepiece is ticking because of all the ongoing discussions over the most disputed real estate in the world the Temple Mount. These prophetic and historic signposts have no doubt triggered a countdown to the Lord's sudden appearing. Only God knows the day and the hour, but Israel seems extremely near to a climatic confrontation with Iran and or Iran's proxies. That's why we watchmen on the walls are diligently standing in the gap as intercessors. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. I absolutely mourn the deterioration of human character the deterioration of structured order in society. Gone seems to be ethics and morals happening all around us, as well as the dangerous resurgence of anti-Semitism. The Bible teaches that the last days of mankind running this world will be a time of tyrannical global government and the severest testing that humanity will ever experience. Think about this for a moment. Jesus said that, Unless a man is born again, he can neither see nor enter the kingdom of God. That's biblically true, not only for individuals, but it's actually true for the earth. Because the Bible teaches that the earth can only enter into the kingdom of God through another birth. In fact, in Matthew 19, 28, Jesus calls it the regeneration, referring to the messianic restoration and the regeneration of all things made new. Like every birth, the earth's regeneration will be preceded by labor pains or earthquakes, wars, famines, pandemics, persecution, and so forth, as Jesus listed in Matthew 24. If you want the kingdom, you have to be prepared to endure these birth pains. No birth pains, no birth. But know this, the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.1, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Actually, that's a weak translation. The word in the Greek New Testament that's translated perilous or difficult only occurs in one other reference, and it's found in the Gospels in Matthew 8.28 to describe two demon-possessed men who came out to meet Jesus on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And there, in that text, the word is translated fierce or violent. 
it says the demoniacs were extremely fierce, extremely violent. So what the scriptures are telling us is that in the last days, fierce times of violence will come. And I think we'd all agree that the headlines are daily filled with violence. Ordinary unchurched people that I meet in stores or places like hairdressers or nail salons never cease to amaze me by saying that they also believe these are the last days. On top of many prophetic factors, there's also the witness of the Holy Spirit that it's time for the Lord to return. I believe we're in the season of his return. Millions of believers from every denomination have a witness in their spirits that Jesus' return is near. In years and centuries past, expectation of the Lord's return was usually limited to various individuals or to some sort of cult. But today, the sense and anticipation of the Lord's return is very pervasive. It's worldwide. I'm always continually surprised in my conversations with those ordinary non-churchgoers who say that they also believe these are the last days. Well, the collective evidence of Bible prophecy converging simultaneously is an overwhelming indication that the Lord's return is near. Now, although you could be watching this edition of Exploits at any time of the year, when this program is scheduled to be broadcast, it will be on or near the date known as Tisha B'Av, the ninth day on the month of Av on the Hebrew calendar, which is the saddest day, and it's been the most violent day on the Jewish calendar. It's a day of universal mourning in the Jewish world, and it falls annually either in late July or August during the hammering furnace heat of summer. But the good news is that according to Bible prophecy, the tide will definitely turn at last for good as far as the Jewish people are concerned. Already this day of mourning called the ninth of Av is being turned into a day of opportunity for the Jewish people. We must watch this space like never before. You see, with God, there are no coincidences. And in the past, terrible destructions, calamities, and wars have erupted on this date. That's why watchmen are especially alert whenever the ninth of Av rolls around. Believe me, prophetic events that are rapidly unfolding in Israel are extremely relevant to the second coming of Jesus. Now, this day of violence and destruction, however, is prophesied to be transformed into a day of rejoicing. I'm sure that will be the case in the soon coming millennium when Jesus, Yeshua, will rule from Jerusalem for a thousand years. Well, for centuries, theologians have pondered the question, why have so many calamities befallen the Jewish people on the ninth of Av? We as believers must understand Bible history and the wise will understand that the series of cataclysmic events all began with what? With unbelief. The tragedies began with a bad report when the people of God doubted the Almighty and expressed disbelief in his promises. Despite the miracles, signs, and wonders they had experienced firsthand during their exodus from Egypt. But when push came to shove, the Israelites doubted God as they stood on the border of the glorious land. 
So the lessons we must learn is that the ninth of Av, Tisha B'Av in Hebrew, commemorates a list of catastrophes that began with the sin of what? Unbelief. I'm going to mention seven historical events that occurred on this one Jewish day of mourning. And this list was compiled by the Chabad Orthodox website. First of all, as I said, 10 scouts brought a bad report of the Holy Land and only two of the 12 spies who were sent out, Joshua and Caleb, only they believed God that the Israelites could conquer the scary giants who were living in the promised land. 10 of the 12 scouts made the classic mistake of sizing up their enemies rather than considering the bigness of their God. The Jewish sages explained that on the ninth of Av, the people cried and begged to go back to Egypt because they gave in to the spirit of fear. God was highly displeased by their distrust in his power, and only their children had the privilege of entering the promised land after a delay of 38 years. How tragic that the Israelites had refused to listen to the good faith report of Joshua and Caleb. But they gave up hope. Have you ever been there? Let's never stop believing the promises of God. Now, secondly, on this day in history, not one, but both of God's holy temples in Jerusalem were destroyed. What are the chances of that happening? But it happened. The first temple was destroyed in 586 B.C. on the 9th of Av by the Babylonians. And about 100,000 Jews were killed during that invasion, while the remaining tribes in the southern kingdom were exiled to Babylon and Persia. Then on the 9th of Av in 70 AD, General Titus and the Roman army destroyed the second temple. Over two and a half million Jews perished as a result of war, famine, and disease. Additionally, over a million Jews were exiled to all parts of the Roman Empire, and 100,000 Jews were sold as slaves by the Romans. The destruction of Jerusalem is memorialized to this day on the Arch of Titus in Rome, which commemorates the Roman triumph that was awarded to Emperor Vespasian and to Titus, his son and heir, for their victory in the Jewish war. The third ninth of Av disaster listed by the rabbis was the defeat at the Battle of Betar, the Jewish stronghold that rebelled against Roman rule. The Jews believed that their leader Simon Bar Kokhba would fulfill Messianic expectations, but their false hopes were cruelly dashed, ending Jewish independence. The date of the massacre? The ninth of Av. Number four, disaster. Next, the Romans plowed the Temple Plateau, the Jewish nation's holiest site, in 133 AD. This was in fulfillment of the prophecy of Jesus that not one stone would be left on top of the other. And the Romans built the pagan city of Elia Capitolina on the ruins of Jerusalem, meaning the city was dedicated to Jupiter and a temple to Jupiter was built. A terrible blow to the Jews. Disaster five, Jewish populations were expelled from England in 1290 AD on, you guessed it, Tisha B'Av, accompanied by pogroms and confiscation of properties. 
By the way, our exports ministry held a prophetic summons in England in the 1990s to repent of that action. Disaster six in 1492, the golden age of Spain came to a close when Queen Isabella and her husband Ferdinand ordered the expulsion of the Jews. The Hebrew date on which no Jew was allowed to remain in the land was, you guessed it, the ninth of Av. Jewish families were separated, many died by drowning, and there was a massive loss of property. And disaster seven happened in the 20th century. Historians have concluded that World War II and the Holocaust were actually the long drawn out conclusion of World War I that began on the 9th of Av in 1914. And there were over 400 pogroms in Hungary, Ukraine, Poland, and Russia. On Tisha B'Av in 1942, Hitler's plans for the annihilation of the Jews were underway and deportations began on that day from the Warsaw Ghetto. And now fast forward to more recent times on Tisha B'Av in 1994, a deadly bombing of the Jewish Community Center in Buenos Aires, Argentina, killed 86 persons and wounded some 300 others. Then on the 9th of Av in August 2005, Israelis were evicted from their homes in Gush Katif, which was a block of 17 Israeli settlements in the southern part of the Gaza Strip. But this time, the atrocity was actually Jews forcibly evicting Jews, all carried out for the elusive promise of peace. The Israeli army forcibly removed 8,600 Israeli residents, kicking and screaming. They even had to transfer dead Jews from their graves to avoid desecration, because sure enough, when the terrorist group Hamas took over Gush Katif, they destroyed the homes, the synagogues, and greenhouses, everything the Jews had so painstakingly planted, only to use the forfeited territory as a platform to send missiles into Israel. During that time, we also had a prophetic summons in the Gaza Strip to pray for Israel, not to make that mistake, but it happened. However, despite the ninth of Av list of calamities, God promised to restore the fortunes of the Jewish people. And the prophet Zechariah prophesied that the fast of the ninth of Av will become a feast day of rejoicing. So what do we as Bible prophecy watchers make of all of this? Well, history is not haphazard. Events, even terrible ones, are all part of a divine plan and have spiritual meanings which we must search out. The harsh reality is that God said in the scriptures that he would judge the Jewish people if they repeatedly rejected him and then his Messiah. And those terrible prophecies came to pass as Jesus, Yeshua, carried his cross along the Via Dolorosa he admonished the daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, he said, but weep for yourselves and for your children, because he foresaw the terrible judgments and calamities that would befall his nation. However, in his mercy, God promised in Hosea 6-2 that the period of judgments would last only two days, or in biblical code language, that would be 2,000 years 
because the Bible says with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. God promised that he would remember his people and reverse their fortunes. After the terrible Holocaust, their fortunes began to be reversed. And the nation of Israel was reborn in a single day in 1948. And the Israelis recaptured their capital in 1967. And over the past 75 years, the tiny fledgling nation has grown to become a superpower with an exceeding great army. Today, Israel is known as the startup nation because of its many technological and medical advances. Bible prophecies speak of a time when Israel's redemption will be complete and all traces of the pain of Israel's past will be forgotten as prophesied in Zechariah 8:19. That amazing verse mentions four fast days that will be reversed into days of joy and feasting. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month and the fast of the fifth month. That's the Tisha B'Av fast. And the fast of the seventh and the tenth month shall be to the house of Judah seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. So the time is coming when the sorrows of Jewish exile will be turned into the joys of redemption. For the first time in millennia, circumstances are now in place for the prophecy of reversal. And it has already begun. And that's why we love to be in Jerusalem as watchmen, because Bible prophecy predicts the saddest day will be changed from tears to triumph. According to the word of the Lord, we can look forward to Jerusalem's restoration as the worship capital of the world in fulfillment of that promise in Zechariah 8, 19. All of Israel's fast days, including Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, will become joyous occasions. Concerning Jerusalem, the Book of Lamentations bemoans how once she was great amongst the nations. Yet one of the most precious prophecies of hope in the entire Bible is also found in Lamentations 3.23, penned by the weeping prophet Jeremiah. He praised the God of Israel because the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. While lamenting Jerusalem's past, Jeremiah nevertheless remembered to keep the nation's troubles in perspective. And so every believer should follow Jeremiah's example and always proclaim the Lord's mercy and faithfulness. Let me say it now. Lord, your mercies are new this morning. Great is your faithfulness every day. Traditionally, on the ninth of Av, the Jewish people humble themselves by sitting on the ground and reading Jeremiah's lamentations. The scroll begins with the word echa, meaning alas, and echa is used 36 times in the book of Lamentations. Rabbis say this corresponds to the 36 times the word meaning to be cut off is used in the Torah. Rabbinic literature explains that the tragedy of the destruction of the temples is not so much the horrific punishments that were inflicted upon the children of Israel, but rather the tragedy was the loss of intimate relationship with God Almighty. In fact, when you think about it, 
A state of mourning reflects a loss of relationship, not a punishment. Although it may be severe, a punishment still indicates the possibility of an ongoing relationship. For example, a parent may discipline and punish his child as part of an ongoing relationship. However, if the parent is forced to banish the child from his home, this signifies a loss of relationship. And so the rabbis teach that on the ninth of Av, God was forced to throw his children out of his house. The consolation we have is the knowledge that the breach is not considered irreparable by God. He's a covenant keeper with Israel. And Jesus, Yeshua, has repaired the breach between heaven and earth. His death was the remedy for the loss of fellowship with God. To this day, anyone who looks by faith to the cross of Messiah for forgiveness will live and be restored to God. Hallelujah. Today, we're indeed living in the time when God will restore the fortunes of Zion. God's six days of creation are a picture of six millennial days uh, or 6,000 years of history before the second coming of King Messiah and before the seventh millennial day when Jesus will rule the world for a thousand years. So says Revelation chapter 20. In the meantime, over the years, we've held in Jerusalem and elsewhere many prayer meetings, revivals and conferences to believe God to deal with the anti-Semitic spirit that has arisen in this hour against the nation of Israel. Just as God miraculously delivered Israel in Esther's day, we believe Yehovah Sabaoth, the God of armies, will do the same at this time, no matter how many threats are made by Iran and her proxies or other hostile neighbors. For this is the time of the reversal of all of the fasting and mourning days of the Jews being turned into very soon the prophesied days of redemption. I wonder, does this excite you? I hope it does. Although terrorist bombs and rockets manage to kill some persons from time to time in Israel, nevertheless, God's presence is manifested in the Holy Land as he watches over and preserves his people after their return from their long exile. It's just an amazing phenomenon that every believer must experience to walk this land and to witness firsthand how God has preserved his people. So in conclusion today, I want to emphasize that not every verse in the little book of Lamentations is doleful because contained in that little book of tragedy is one of the sweetest verses in the entire Bible. Do you believe that the Lord's mercies are new every morning? Perhaps along the way you've lost hope. But here in Lamentations 3.22, is that living word for us. It's also become a popular worship hymn that goes, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Well, prophetically speaking, the ninth of Av should no longer be dedicated to a day of mourning we're in a time of transition of one age to the next age. We're transitioning from the church age to the restoration of the kingdom to Israel. 
and many Jewish activists believe the ninth of Av should be a day of action rather than just sitting around on the ground to mourn. As Christians in the past, we have come together in Jerusalem on the ninth of Av and at other times to repent publicly for acts perpetrated by the institutional church against the Jewish people. And now many Jewish activists are accomplishing exploits for God by faith in light of Bible prophecy. Modern Israelis are rising up like Joshua and Caleb to believe God for the rebuilding of the third temple. They're moving ahead step by step. I hope you can see why it's important to pray that God will accomplish what he has promised. In Zechariah 12:10, a fabulous verse which says, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication, and they will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. That is the prophesied time of national mourning that is still yet to come, I believe, in the near future. But after their repentance resulting in humility, trust, and watchfulness, God will remove all his chastisement for sin. The glorious good news is that the Lord will turn the centuries of Jewish mourning into dancing. Hallelujah. And the promise is reflected in Psalm 30. A promise for Israel and for all of us, if we will believe God. Verse 2, Psalm 30, I love it, says, O Lord my God, I call to you for help and you heal me. And verse 5 says, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may endure for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And verse 11 proclaims, you have turned my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. Hallelujah and amen. I rejoice. Well, before we conclude today in these lawless times, I'm frequently reminded of the sermon of the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost. In Acts 2.40, it's recorded that Peter exhorted Jerusalem saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. If you've never rejected the godlessness of our times, if you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus and his commandments, today is your opportunity. And we want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. If you know you're not right with God, don't stubbornly live another day without him. That would be deliberate spiritual suicide. Every unforgiven sinner stands in great danger. But the remedy offered by the Bible is simply to repent. Repent and believe the good news of the gospel. To be saved from this perverse generation, everyone must make a decision for themselves to follow the Savior. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I do believe in my heart that you raised up Jesus from the dead. And I'm willing to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Save me from this corrupt generation. I cling to the Lord. Amen and amen. Well, now we invite you to be a watchman with us on these sacred walls by visiting our website, exploits.tv, and also our Jerusalem Channel app 
as well as our Jerusalem Channel YouTube site. At all of those platforms, you're free to watch our video library 24-7. Please feel free also to share your thoughts with me on social media. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Darg. Shalom and Maranatha. <laughs>